Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Sorts of new segments here. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, SWX Montana TV, including one that I will hope to feature. Brooks Nuana is on as often as possible. Brooks Nuana is from SkylineSportsMT.com and as well as our go-to guy when it comes to commentary and analysis of the NFL. And uh, the NFL, Brooks, is uh, a short nine days away. Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Buccaneers open up the season on Thursday the 9th and then the 12th, the day after the first Grizz and Bobcat home football games, would be the opening Sunday of NFL season. The number one thing to remember, this is our all-NFL, all-the-time segment, by the way, presented in part by Sportsbet Montana. Sportsbet Montana has kiosks all across the state of Montana. If you want to place some wagers, find yourself a Sportsbet Montana kiosk or get the app. Either way, it's a fun way to participate in the games and uh, have accountability within them and maybe have a little fun, make a little money as well. So uh, go check out Sportsbet Montana kiosks at pretty much any establishment that you probably often frequent and so we're going to do some over under win totals for the nfl i think a lot of times a preseason over under win totals are fun because you get to track them it's not like just making a bet and then winning it or losing it within the scope of a day you have 
four or five months worth of fun. So that'll be awesome to get into. But one thing worth remembering, Brooks, before we get into these over-under win totals is the fact that it's a 17-game NFL season, not a 16-game NFL season. So it's going to take some adjustment within our minds. It used to be, oh, that's a nine-win team. Okay, that's a team with barely a winning record. That's a 10-win team and and so forth. Those things mean something completely different. So what are your thoughts on the NFL adding an extra game to the regular season? Well, it's a revenue-driven sport, so, you know, one of the largest money-making sports entities in the world, if not the largest, and I'm not surprised that they would do it. I don't see the need for it. Uh, you know, when we talk about player safety and, and we move forward into a new millennia of football, it seems to me that it is unneeded. But cut a preseason game, add a regular season game, that makes a little bit more sense um, with only three season preseason games on the docket this year and the extra week in between. So this being an off week for all NFL teams does make a little bit more sense. Hey, man, it's more football. Let's start at the very top. The Kansas City Chiefs, by most Vegas books, have the highest predicted win total. 12.5 wins for the Kansas City Chiefs. So uh, right there at between 12-5 and or 13-4 and would be the overall number. Kansas City won 14 games last fall. Uh, Where are we at with the Chiefs? I think that the Chiefs seem to be sort of this shoe-in. The Chiefs are the Chiefs. They have this Superman quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. They have this legendary coach in Andy Reid. But I, and I'm not, I'm not saying that there's drama or any sort of anything with the Chiefs. All I know is this. Absolutely elite sustained success where you are playing in the conference championship game and or the Super Bowl year after year after year. We've literally only seen it a couple times. The Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s. Even the Pittsburgh Steelers during their run in the 70s. They had multiple years in the middle of that run where they weren't uh, in the Super Bowl or in the conference championship game. It's basically the Philadelphia Eagles who never actually won one. The Buffalo Bills in the early 90s. The Dallas Cowboys in the early 90s. But even these 21st century dynasties... We've seen teams have to have lulls for a couple years because it's just so hard to sustain. All that said, though, do you still believe that the Chiefs are the team to beat, not only in the AFC, but in the NFL? I think they're the team to beat in the AFC, but I think they're going to face uh, tougher competition this year. And as you mentioned, it's so hard to play at that elite level in the NFL. You know, we have a lot of different teams, a lot of different sports, where you can have longer run, runs as a, as a quote-unquote dynasty. But in the NFL, it's very challenging. I also think the Chiefs will face a little bit more um, resistance within their own division. I think the Broncos will, will be better. I think the Raiders will, will be better this season. So overall, I do think the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC. As we've mentioned before, when you have the crown, uh, you are the king. And they are the king of the AFC of the last couple seasons. But me personally, just due to some changes in the receiving core, a little bit of change on the defensive end, even though I'd like that they've improved on the offensive front, I think Clive edwards Hilaire and the running back will take a step forward. I will take the under on Chiefs. Uh, I think 12 wins is the perfect spot for them. It is interesting, and uh, they're de- definitely facing a situation that I think most teams are going to have to go through now during the salary cap era, and that is when you have a superstar, especially a superstar quarterback, and you pay him, the talent around him, it's not necessarily going to be rapid, but it's going to gradually have to slip. It's almost inevitable. And so they've already paid Patrick Mahomes. They're going to have decisions to make when it comes to Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey soon. But that's going to impact the rest of uh, their roster. That said, you can mitigate that by drafting well. So uh, we'll see. I, I do think that their core is young enough that they're going to make another run. Uh, and I I totally agree with the analysis that the AFC West is going to be deeper but I also think that there's some teams in that division they are going to have to handle the hype. 
Raiders aren't getting much hype, so that's fine. I don't think that's going to be an effective factor on them. But I do think that the Chargers are going to receive a lot of hype, and Justin Herbert's going to have a special target on his back. So let's talk about the Chargers for a quick minute. The Los Angeles Chargers, their over-under is at 9.5. So Vegas is saying this is a team that's going to be just over 500 or maybe a 10-7 and squad. Where are you at with the L.A. Chargers as they enter the first season under a new head coach? I love the Chargers. They're my team this year. So, I, you know, as we, we've talked about personally extensively. I, I am not someone that follows a team um, through in, 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 throughout my entire life. I've had some teams I've followed and enjoyed. But the last five seasons or so, I kind of pick a team in the beginning of the year that I choose to follow. It's been the Rams. It's been the 49ers. It's been the Bills. This year it's going to be the Chargers. It's the team that I am leaning on. Um, I'm taking the over. Um, I like them sitting right there at 10-7. and seven. That's a great record for, for a, a team that has a lot of talent. They have some great defensive pieces. Derwin James is back in, in the defensive backfield. I think he's one of the two or three best safeties in the NFL. Uh, and Joey Bosa is a dominant pass rusher on the edge. I like everything they do offensively. And in a Sean McVay coaching tree, which as a young coach, it's interesting that he does have a tree. And, and multiple coaches from the Los Angeles Rams come over to the Chargers. Um, I think Justin Herbert not necessarily takes a, a huge step statistically because he has one of the best, most prolific rookie st- seasons statistically of all time. I do think that maybe the stats bear out very similar as last year. But he as a leader and he and Justin Herbert plugged in for all 17 games. I like the over for the Chargers. Brooks Duana is joining us, Rangers Brothers RV Fold Line. This is our All Football All the Time segment presented by Sports Bet Montana. Brooks, I can't stop laughing about the tweet you sent me about how once upon a time back in 2003, Sean McVay was the Georgia Player of the Year over one Calvin Johnson. That's right, that Calvin Johnson Megatron, the uh, <laughs> one of the great and most physically gifted players in the history of the league and a first ballot Hall of Famer. Amazing that Megatron was going to the Hall of Fame while Sean McVay's entering the the heart of his coaching career. But crazy to think that Sean McVay was once a an outstanding player. Uh, I mean, it's not crazy to think he was an outstanding player, but it's crazy to think he was that level of player yeah you know a 5'9 quarterback I believe he went to Akron um you know I'll have to double check that but yeah he played in college uh you know a dynamic football mind his coaching tree is beautiful if you listen to the Kyle Shanahan podcast that uh, Sean McVay did called Flying Coach with Peter Schrager and Sean McVay they host Kyle Shanahan and talk all through the Shanahan coaching tree which is where Sean McVay is a part of as well as Kyle Shanahan um through the Washington Redskins and some different elements that go with it and that the Grudens have a big play in that and uh, starting both of those coaches careers in Shanahan and McVay so very interesting coaching tree a young prolific coach who's already gone to a Super Bowl and lost to the all-time great Bill Belichick but yeah Sean McVay is going to be up there as one of the greats uh, I've heard some interesting things about this year in the NFL coaching realm there's five or six really good coaches and the rest are really new and or unproven and or just bad so really interesting to see how much good coaching the Andy Reid's and the Sean McVay's and Kyle Shanahan's of the world can progress some of these win totals. It is a narrative right now, the the fact that there are also like just some not very great coaches in the league. But one coach that everybody's looking at, how will he do, is Urban Meyer. I know that it's funny to go in with the third team we're going to analyze throughout the entire NFL is the team that just had the number one pick, a team that has struggled mightily the last couple of years. But the Jacksonville Jaguars... I think will be one of the most interesting teams in the NFL this year because, I mean, Urban Meyer is what, like a million and ten in his career? I mean, the guy probably hasn't lost 30 games in his entire college coaching career ever, and everything he's done has turned to gold, whether it was at Miami, or excuse me, at Bowling Green or Utah or um, Florida or Ohio State. He's been 
peerless. He's, he's been unbeatable, uh, basically. But how does that transition to the NFL? So the Jags, this is actually a higher win total than I expected. Trevor Lawrence, Urban Meyer, and the Jacksonville Jaguars, six and a half. So they're saying, okay, six and 11 or seven and, and uh, seven and 10. Where are we at with the Jags at a six and a half over under? Well, to mark your Urban Meyer note, he's 187 and 34. Wow. Uh, with three national with three national championships, um, so you know one of the great coaches of his generation, no question. Uh, very interesting to watch him transition to the NFL. He runs a very stringent program style. Uh, I can't I can't really see NFL players glomming onto it. I thought it was very interesting how they treated the Trevor Lawrence situation, um, having a full blown quarterback competition with him and Gardner Minshew, only to then trade Gardner Minshew for a sixth round draft pick. I think that you could call that a botched trade, let alone a botched fall camp for a team that clearly was going to start Trevor Lawrence to not even have him go with the ones most of, no more than half of the time during fall camp. Very interesting. But with Travis Etienne out, first round uh, running back, the, the first running back drafted, or the second running back drafted in this last 2021 draft from Clemson, we have the Liz Frank injury in his foot. That's a big blow to that running game, but they have the undrafted free agent in James Robinson, a guy that you and I have covered for years in, in the FCS realm at Illinois State, a guy that was one of the most talented players I have ever seen in my life. When I see, heard people talk about James Robinson being undrafted out of nowhere, who is this guy? One of the most talented players I have ever seen in my entire life at, during the Skyline Sports era the last eight seasons. So James Robinson is a plug-and-play starting NFL running back. I've been impressed with the Jaguars, especially Trevor Lawrence under center. A little bit of defensive question, but I still think in a division that's going to be up for grabs, they can sneak out six or seven wins. I would probably, in my heart, want to say the under, but I like those odds. I'm going to take the over. Sort of a tangent here, but I, I love just using this platform to educate people because you know I'm never trying to be a hater. I'm just trying to give you the straight-up facts. But I remember when Matt Nicholson, the strength and conditioning coach for Montana, went to Illinois State. I heard from a lot of Grizz boosters, why would this guy take a step down? Why would he make a, a move laterally in the SCS to leave a school like Montana? And it's true Montana has more prestige, tradition and national prominence when you look at the last 30 to 35 years. And obviously, Washington Grizzly Stadium, one of the gems of the FCS, and the Champion Center certainly an elite facility uh, at the FCS level as well. But when you actually break it down, uh, I went through the, the records, and the Grizz and Illinois State had won the exact same amount of games over the last 10 years. The Illinois State had advanced to the national championship one more time than Montana had. They advanced one time. They lost to North Dakota State, but they had advanced one more time. They'd been to the quarterfinals of the playoffs one more time. And uh, so it's a good program. And James Robinson was an awesome part of that program. And so I think that, you know, sometimes it, that that's the, the mystery of the FCS, right, is when you're a dominant team that's also in a place that has a great fan base, you do get the credit you deserve in terms of the, the media exposure. But when you're in a place like Illinois, oftentimes you can be really good and not really a lot of people outside your own conference talk about it. So here nor there, but uh, interesting note, and I totally agree, it's not surprising to me whatsoever that James Robinson is good in the NFL because he was uh, a freak, man. He was as good of a player as we've ever seen uh, at the FCS level, no question about it. All football, all the time, presented by Sportsbet Montana, breaking down NFL over-unders, and we're obviously not going to go through all 30 NFL teams, Brooks, but I'm going to pick out a couple more that I find really intriguing. 
Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. Probably one of the most impactful injuries of the preseason, particularly for fantasy football owners out there, is the injury to uh, J.K. Dobbins, the running back out of Ohio State, who's expected to be the bell cow for uh, Baltimore. Baltimore also has had a couple uh, key players leave uh, over the last couple years. Not sure where I'm really at with their pass rush. They do still have elite talent and maybe the best pair of corners in the in the in the NFL when you talk about Marlon Humphrey uh, and Marcus Peters. But Lamar Jackson, I think people are starting to sleep on him, which I don't really know how. I think he's primed for a big year. But the Ravens, they're sitting there at an over-under of 11. Where are we at with Baltimore? Yeah, that's a high number, man. So J.K. Dobbins is a huge injury for you know the most prolific rushing team in the NFL. You know, he's a he's a style of running back that's about to take a, a huge jump here in his second year. Uh, they have had a stable of running backs for the entire time of just before uh, Lamar Jackson and throughout his entire time under center. Uh, Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, some people are sleeping on. When will the NFL find him out or, or learn how to mitigate some of his ability to run the football, which is some of the most electric running that we've ever seen in the NFL? I heard uh, Ryan Clark, the great Steelers safety, who's now an analyst on ESPN, say, what do you mean? What do you mean find out what, what you're going to do? He runs faster than you, and you can't catch him. That's the whole, there's, no, there's no figuring out a scheme with this. But I do think the J.K. Dobbins injury is huge. They add Timmy Watkins to the receiving core, which is lackluster. Uh, overall, defensively, they do have a good team. They, have, they did lose a couple pieces on the offensive line, including Orlando Brown Jr., who's now with the Chiefs, who I thought had a really promising future. Um, they still have Coyas Campbell, Brandon Williams up front, Derek Wolf on the edge, and Pernell McPhee, which is a fantastic front four, let alone – you have to think that Patrick Queen is going to take another step at the middle linebacker spot. I love everything they do on defense, but as a running team, to lose your best player, 11-6 and six is pretty high to get that over. You're talking about 12-5 and five team, and what I have said is the hardest division in the, in the NFL. The NFC West is going to be a battle. The Niners, the Seahawks, the Rams, the Cardinals. But I think that day in, day out, Browns, Ravens, Steelers is an absolute throwdown, especially with where the Browns are at right now. I'm going to take the under 11 on the, on the Ravens. Brooks Nuanas, SkyOnSportsMT.com, as well as our ESPN Missoula NFL Insider, giving you some breakdown of NFL over-unders. Another team that's getting a lot of hype right now, Brooks, the Los Angeles Rams. I think 10.5 for an over-under for the Rams is actually low, but that's because I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I've read an article about Sean McVay and Matt Stafford and their basically lifelong relationship and how these guys have been wanting to work together forever. It's kind of crazy to think that they're not very far apart in age. I mean, these guys are like almost peers. Uh, And so that's kind of the way the new age stuff works. I don't think it necessarily has to have this hierarchy with this bad coach and then you know the respect from the quarterback I think that if you're on the same page and you're having a lot of fun and you're being innovative I just think they're going to throw the ball a million times a game they're going to play fast I know that they're going to have a hard time having consistency in the run game but that doesn't mean they're not going to be able to run the ball and uh, I just think that the Rams uh, they're a team with a ton of hype around them but I think that they have the makeup to handle it getting Jared Goff out of there is going to do nothing but accelerate the momentum of the team so the Rams at 10 and a half are you taking the over or the under I'm going to hit the over on that and we talked about uh, the Calvin Johnson Chomic Bay connection. Well, you, you know what state that happened to be, and that's Georgia. And you know where Matthew Stafford is from. That's Georgia. So they went to high school at the same time. They're two years apart. Uh, they have a lifelong relationship, as you mentioned. They changed the running back room up a little bit. Cam Akers tears his ACL. 
a promising second-year running back from Florida State. Daryl Henderson has a thumb injury in camp. The promise third-year running back from Memphis who has an electric skill set, including being able to catch the ball. And then they trade a decent haul for Sonny Michelle, uh, Georgia running back out of uh, from the Patriots, who had such a big uh, such a big role in the Patriots' Super Bowl win two seasons ago. Sonny Michelle, a different style running back, but a little bit of a change of pace back. I like those two backs in Henderson and Michelle. But overall, as you mentioned, Stafford is an insane upgrade to what Jared Goff has been able to do. A serviceable quarterback into an elite arm talent quarterback, a guy who's never been able to win in the playoffs, not a single playoff win for Matt Stafford in his uh, you know, sad at times Detroit Lions tenure. Amazing arm talent. Some of the best arm talent of his generation. You kind of think of guys like Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and you know, maybe not Aaron Rodgers, but Matt Stafford's right up there with arm talent as far as the last 15 years in the NFL. A huge jump for them. So I'm, I'm going to hammer the over on the Rams. I like them as well. I think the division is going to be electric. The Cardinals, the poor Cardinals are going to be a dynamic, very good team who probably doesn't have a chance to sniff it just because the Seahawks, Rams, and Niners are going to be so darn good. I'll take the over on the Rams. Brooks Duana, SkylineSportsMT.com, all football all the time, presented by Sportsbet Montana. All right, Brooks, there's all sorts of teams of interest, obviously. The NFL is a national sport. There's no question about it. Everybody follows everybody every weekend, particularly because of fantasy football and because of now sports gambling. But let's go quickly through a couple of the teams that people in this neck of the woods really, really follow, starting with the Seattle Seahawks. We will be the affiliates officially at ESPN Missoula for the Seahawks once again, our fourth straight season doing that. So we're excited to host all Seahawks football games each and every weekend. Uh, But the Seattle Seahawks sitting there with an over-under at 10. Where are you at, the Seahawks? It's so hard because you got to look at who who the NFC uh, the NFC West is playing cross division. So in the NFL, the way the scheduling works is that you play everyone in your division twice, then you play two other divisions once each. And who you end up drawing, which off the top of my head, I can't remember who the NFC West is playing this year. But if you end up getting the NFC East, which is Cowboys, Redskins, Giants, you know, a, a, a Eagles, a, a division I believe will be weak, then you you can sometimes chalk in three or four wins. So right now, that 10 total, I like a lot of what the Seahawks are doing. I think that I actually might bet them to win that division just because of the new offensive coordinator is, again, a Sean McVay tree-style guy, someone that's going to throw it out. Russell Wilson got to pick him. They said, what do you want to run on offense? He said, I want to run what they're doing, so go get me that guy. And he went and got that guy. I love that they're going to be a little bit more up-tempo. Chris Carson, DK Metcalf, TJ Lockett is just – Tyler Lockett is just an amazing um, – threesome on offense. I'm taking the over for the Seahawks. Green Bay Packers, they have an over-under of 10 as well. I'm taking the over all day there because I just I think that the Aaron Rodgers drama, the way, where it played out in Green Bay is irrelevant. I think that once he throws a couple first-half touchdowns, people will be back all the way on Aaron Rodgers. Where are you at with the Green Bay Packers with an over-under of 10? Hammering that over, man. And again, when I think of Seahawks and Niners, at, or Seahawks and Packers at 10, that in the previous seasons would be 9. Packers and Seahawks are winning nine games. But right now, new new schedule, added 17th game, as we mentioned. I love what the Packers are doing, especially in that division. The Vikings are going to contest, but the Bears and the Lions are, are not going to bat. And Aaron Rodgers won't bat an eye at either of those teams. I like what the Packers at 11-6. and six. It seems like a perfect record for them. Maybe even 12-5, and five, I'm going to hammer the over on Packers. Denver Broncos are sitting there at eight and a half. I think the Broncos are getting a lot of hype. I don't see it yet. I know that everybody thinks that they have this awesome core of young skill players. Well, that's fine. They do. What the hell does that get you? They don't have anybody to get them the ball. Teddy Bridgewater's fine, but I'm not yet sold on Hamler or um, 
Hamilton or Jerry Judy. They all have talent, but they're not not uh, good enough to lead you to a division title or even, in my mind, the playoffs. The Broncos at 8.5, I'm taking the under. Yeah, I do like their offense more than, than uh, you kind of mentioned. You know, I, I like Sutton coming off of an ACL injury. Jerry Judy to take a step in his second year. Noah Fant, a dynamic tight end who comes out of Iowa behind TJ Hawkinson, another a top 10 tight end pick from the same team in the same draft. Two tight ends in the top 10. What a what a program Iowa has there. But also, uh, Melvin Gordon coming back with a rookie and Javante Williams behind him. I do like what Denver's doing on offense, but I agree they don't have the quarterback, or the quarterback play. Defensively, a solid team. I think Patrick Sertan is a plug-and-play, day one, top 15, top 10 style defensive back. But I'm still going to take the under. As we mentioned, it's a tough division. I think that the Broncos, if the Raiders take that next step, which they might, the Broncos could easily finish fourth in that division, which puts them under that total. And last one for you, because I know you got a school orientation to get to, and uh, congratulations to the little man, the little jelly man Ellis, on his first day of school upcoming. But uh, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, they are sitting there with an over-under at nine. I think it's a pivotal year for the Vikings to think if they're going to move on from Kirk Cousins or not. I think they should. That's well stated. I say it on the show every single day, I think. Uh, regardless, they do have some weapons, including Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, and Adam Thielen. Where are we at? The Vikings nine is the over-under for the Vikes. Yeah, I like that. You know, the Irv Smith injury at tight end is tough for the Vikings. Um, Justin Jefferson had the most explosive rookie season I've seen maybe in my lifetime other than Randy Moss. I mean, what a season by Justin Jefferson. And the NFL, historically, really is a year two receiver. We talked about Jerry Judy. We talked about several other guys on this podcast or on this radio show that look like year two breakout players. Justin Jefferson did it year one. I do think Adam Thielen is probably going to be on the backside of his peak. Now, Adam Thielen has put up some serious statistics, as well as being a game-breaking receiver. Uh, last year, he had 14 touchdowns with only 900 yards receiving. So, you know, a, a red zone threat. I love Dalvin Cook. We mentioned the division. Packers-Vikings slot right there in the second at 10 wins. I will take the over for the Vikings. Best in the biz, Brooks Nuanas, SportsMT.com, as well as our go-to guy when it comes to talking about the NFL, particularly betting lines. This has been All Football All the Time, presented by SportsBet Montana. Brooks, thanks for joining us, man. I'll see you soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. First time in years, football at every level will take center stage in the Treasure State this weekend. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. The Montana Grizzlies and the Montana State Bobcats will play impactful games for the first time since December of 2019. The Grizz played a pair of games in the spring that were not part of the sanctioned spring FCS or Big Sky Conference seasons. MSU has not taken the gridiron since losing in the semifinals of the FCS playoffs to North Dakota State in Fargo, North Dakota 21 months ago. The Treasure State's Big Sky Conference teams each compete against FBS opponents
opponents on Saturday. The Bobcats take on the Wyoming Cowboys at War Memorial Stadium in Laramie. The contest marks the first for new head coach Brent Vegan, as well as a sort of homecoming. Vegan spent the last seven seasons as the offensive coordinator at Wyoming and has coached on Wyo head coach Craig Bull's staff for the last 18 years. Kickoff from Laramie is set for 2 p.m. and the game can be streamed at GoWyo.com. Montana takes on the number 20 Washington Huskies in Seattle at 6 p.m. from Husky Stadium Saturday night. The Grizzlies destroyed Central Washington and Portland State in April. The last took the field in a game of consequence in the quarterfinals of the FCS playoffs against Weber State back in December of 2019. The game can be streamed on the Pac-12 network. And finally, Friday's high school slate includes Sentinel playing at Bozeman, Hellgate playing at Belgrade, and Big Sky hosting Billing Skyview. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Now to welcome in another one of my good old buddies and a guy that was a popular player and an impactful player for the Montana Grizzlies during his lone season with Montana in 2006. He's Craig Chambers, a former receiver for the Grizzlies as well as a former receiver for the Washington Huskies who still makes his home just outside Seattle, just north of Seattle. And the Grizz, they take on Washington for the second time in four years now on Saturday evening at Husky Stadium. Chambers, thanks so much for being with me, man. How you doing? Good, man. I appreciate you thinking about me. Happy I could uh, jump on air with you. Uh, excited to talk some uh, Grizz and Husky football. So this is all originated because, first of all, I wanted to get these guys on anyways. Jamal Jones also joining us here on Nuanas now a little later on here today as well. Jamal Jones, a record-setting receiver for the Grizzlies uh, from Spanaway, who started his career at Washington and then finished his career with the Grizz as well. But University of Washington, for whatever reason, does not allow their coaches or players to do interviews with any outside media. So we are uh, just bringing you all the coverage we possibly can from uh, outside those parameters. This is part of our opposing coach series. These guys are obviously not coaches for Washington, but we want to give you a little Washington angle and our opposing coach series this fall will be brought to you by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. It's a good time to buy. It's a good time to sell in Montana and Mike Nugent, Berkshire Hathaway, they are your local real estate experts. Chambers, let's first of all start with your time growing up uh, there in Western Washington. I think that people that are of, you know, sort of under the age of 40 think of UW as sort of a, a basketball school because Lorenzo Romar has had so many great uh, teams there and they had that great run when they had like Nate Robinson and Quincy Pondexter and Brandon Roy and all those guys. But in its essence, Washington's a football school and Washington was a tremendous football program in the 70s, 80s and 90s with Don James and then had a little bit of a resurgence with Rick Neuheisel and then during the Chris Peterson run this last couple years has been tremendous as well. But what was your sort of thoughts and uh, opinions of the Huskies growing up? Were you a big time Husky? fan yeah i mean yeah kind of what you said people think when they think of pac-12 football now formerly pac-10 you know they, they think of you know oregon ducks you know some usc stuff in there but you know old school pac-10 football was usc uw in the early 90s and that's kind of when i got my start into pac-10 football my brother played uh, during that 91 the early 90s year when you know UW was just a powerhouse with steve Edmond, napoleon cop and mario bailey the hewards i remember they played linebacker 
uh, for those squads. So I had an early introduction to you, Dub, with you know Jim Lambright and Don James going to the locker room as a kid. So I got bit pretty early. Um, so I started bleeding purple and gold like at four. You know, so I, I knew early on I was going to be a Husky. Um, so when my time came and I started getting recruited, you know, I put it out there pretty early, which some people can you know, say it's not a great idea, but I kind of just put it out there and said, hey, if UW gives me an offer, that's where I'm going. Uh, and fortunately enough, uh, Rick Neuheisel sent me that offer my junior year, um, and I committed pretty much on the spot. Um, didn't really take too many other visits. Um, in fact, I don't know if I took any other visits, uh, and I joined them in 2003. So, yeah, I kind of knew early on, you know, my brother started a legacy of, you know, UW football for me, um, and, uh, you know, I fell in love with it. So um, that, 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 that was kind of my trajectory uh, in my lifetime of, of playing college sports. There were so many great teams back then, too, but probably the Marcus Tuiasasopo team that won the Rose Bowl, I think Neuheisel's third or fourth year there, uh, is definitely a legendary one. And there's a couple of Woodenville guys actually on the Grizz now, including Nash Fouch, who will make a start for Montana at Husky Stadium, so that'll be fun for him. SkylineSportsMT.com, our guy Andrew Houghton will have a story about all the Seattle and Western Washington connections for the Grizz, because it's easy to forget. Bobby Houck was once upon a time at Washington as well, so I know that's the, about the same timeline, Chambers. So did you have any connection to Coach Houck when he was at Washington? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, no, I know him and uh, him and Rick Neuheisel were pretty tight um, in terms of – you, you, you can kind of feel that in their coaching too, the way they talk, the cadences. Um, you know, so I knew that they, you know, kind of kind of had a, a history together. But I didn't, you know. Uh, so when I was at University of Washington, our strength training coach um, that was at the time actually went over to the University of Montana to do strength training and defensive coaching. Um, so uh, that was kind of like my introduction to University of Montana. And for me, when I was leaving University of Washington, some stuff went on. Um, I was trying to look at replacing like that atmosphere, and you know, there's not a better place in you know D1 F uh, FCS uh, uh, football where you're going to be at in Montana. You know, some people look at Appalachian State or, you know, some other places. But in terms of game day atmosphere, Montana's about as good as it gets. I mean, it competes with some of the big the big boys out there. Uh, so I, I didn't really know Bobby Howell before that, uh, but, I, you know, I'd heard uh, some good things about him um, uh, during my time of transferring. Here's through your time with the Huskies, because like you said, you grew up out there, you went to Jackson High, they're uh, near Mill Creek, which is one of the better high school football programs in the area, and obviously most guys that grew up there, they do sort of have similar dreams like you did of, of playing for Washington, playing at Husky Stadium. Uh, but what was your time like there? Because you sort of were there at a time that it kind of got tumultuous with the stuff that happened with Coach Neuheisel and then Tyron Willingham coming in. That was maybe one of the down uh, eras of Washington football. So what were some of your memories, good and bad, of the University of Washington? Yeah, I mean, you know, you thought, I think I think I went to like four uh, receivers coaches uh, in my time at the University of Washington, three head coaches. Uh, so you know, I signed on the on the dotted line uh, under Rick Neuheisel, and then that whole gambling uh, uh, fiasco happened, uh, where he placed a bet on some college game or something like that. Um, and pretty much at that time, our our uh, uh, sports director Barbara Hedges uh, decided to let him go. Uh, or maybe he was on a camera how it went down. But basically, right after that, Gilbertson came in. I love Gilbertson. Gilbertson's a local guy. He's from Snohomish, Washington, out here. You know, he's he's hard-nosed coach. He's going to cuss you out and tell you how it is, but he's also going to tell you and do a good job and love on you as well. I um, love playing with him. That was, my, that was my true freshman. I got a chance. And really, when it came down to it, you know, I came in. I didn't play that much. And, you know, like you said, we had some, some tough times, and, you know, our receivers were all young. It was right after Reggie Williams and Charles Frederick left, and uh, both those guys were, you know, some of the best impact tender in that time. Um, and we just were, you know, we were young and inexperienced, and I wasn't playing. I finally went off like, hey, coach, you know, 
our receivers are, you know, we're, we're all doing what we can, but I'm not playing. Just give me a chance. You know, what's the worst that could happen? And uh, luckily he said yes. But the thing that's crazy is we were actually going out to Oregon and playing at Austin. If you're talking about a hostile environment for your first game as a, you know, as a 19-year-old, you know, that, that's, that's pretty much it right there. Um, and not only did he say I was playing, but he actually said I was starting. So that put a lot of pressure on me. But I actually went out and had a pretty game, went for like 104 yards on like four catches. Um, that kind of, you know, jumped me off into, uh, into the next end of the year. Um, so I ended up having a couple hundred-yard games and a few touchdowns. And it kind of landed me on the map as, like, this up-and-coming receiver at the University of Washington. Uh, but at the conclusion of that year, unfortunately, uh, Giberson got let go, um, and they brought in uh, uh, Tyrone Willingham. Uh, and that was just kind of a, you know, mixed bag of, of stuff. You know, he had gotten fired from Notre Dame. And a lot of us as players were like, well, why are we bringing in a guy who's not good enough for Notre Dame to University of Washington? You know, we're supposed to be an elite uh, uh, football uh, program, and we're bringing in somebody who isn't good enough somewhere else. Like, that doesn't make sense to us. Um, and, you know, Tyrone was fine, but, you know, it just it's tough when you have new coaching coming in. Like, a lot of times you're not their guy, so they're looking at the next people up. Um, and unfortunately, my dad actually passed away right at the University Medical Center. I was the one that had to go and do that whole claiming of the body thing. And that was just kind of tough. So at that point in time, I kind of reflected, and I decided to just be good for, you know, a good time for change. Um, and that's how I landed on the University of Montana. Um, but I had some great members at the University of Washington, have, had some awesome times, scoring some touchdowns there at Montlake. Um, but there's not a better place to follow up your, your, you know, your D1 career, formerly D1 uh, uh uh, single A to D1 double A at the University of Montana. Uh, so came to the University of Montana. Love my time. I love Missoula. My wife and I actually were just there with our kids up in Whitefish in that flathead area and visited Missoula. Um, you know, fans are awesome there. Great program. Hauk was there formerly uh, there before before he came back as well. Um, so I had some great times there uh, playing in the big sky as well. So I uh, love, love my career at both places and, and appreciate the experiences that I had at being in like a really entrenched college town in Missoula but also being in a bigger city like Seattle as well. Craig Chambers joining us, former University of Montana and University of Washington wide receiver. He played for the Grizzlies back during the 2006 season, an outstanding season that year. A 43 catches for more than 650 yards and eight touchdowns, including four touchdowns in the playoffs as Montana advanced to the semifinals of the playoffs that year. And Craig, you mentioned sort of knowing about Montana a little bit, but I mean, how that was the fever pitch of Grizz football in the mid-2000s when Coach Houck was first there and the success the Grizz had. So was that success? I mean, did, did people People in Western Washington know about that. I mean, or what was sort of the perception of Grizz football when you first made the decision to come to the Grizz? Yeah, I think there's two things that you get with Montana football. You know, one, you, if you really look at Montana football, it's almost like a D1 FBS program disguised as a D1 FCS because you have all those transfers, and especially after those transfers, you sprinkle on some of that local flavor with those local Montana boys that you know that hard nosed, tough football. You know, you get a really lethal combo. Um, so you're getting you know best of the both worlds. What people don't realize. Is when I was at UW in, in transfer Montana, people were like, well, you're going from UW to Montana. Well, we sent more people to the league that year and uh, to the NFL than the University of Washington did. You know, we had Mark Mariano, we had we had all these all these guys. Colt, you know, Colt was going, Colt Anderson. Um, so there's a there's a lot of studs that weren't just going there for a week, but actually went there and had some good careers in the NFL. I like to play electric with Miami for a little while. Um, so you know, uh, you know, when you when you hear about you know people transferring, I think that's why Montana, especially back then, did such a great job because you're competing for you're competing for championships every single year. You know, you have a shot to go to the league. In that atmosphere on game day is just bar none. Um, so yeah, you hear about it, of course, and especially once you kind of become eligible for teams to start recruiting you, people start giving you advice in terms of where you want to look. And the two places that kind of bubbled up were Appalachian State and Montana. Montana was an easy choice. 
when you first played at Washington Grizzly Stadium, what was your what did you think, and how did that compare to some of the stadiums you'd played again, uh, in both at home and away in the Pac-10? You know what's great about Washington Grizzlies? It may not be the biggest stadium compared to like a UW or Ohio State or Notre Dame or some of the places that you know you, you go and play. Um, but that that game day atmosphere, all the people outside the stadium, you know, you you have the motorcycles coming through on the field and the buzz and the stadiums erupting, the loud atmosphere. You really can't tell the difference because it gets so loud there. Um, so I love that. You know, I love that. The, uh, the 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 thought, though, you know, I thought the weirdest thing is we never had any night games. You know, that was one thing I had to get used to because we had the lights in the stadium back then. Uh, there was a couple times ESPN would bring in lights uh, for playoff games, like when we played against UMass. But other than that, every game was at noon. Um, and then and then also on top of the weather. You know, I was coming from Seattle. It's kind of you know it's, it's pretty you know pretty temperate here. We don't get too cold. Don't get too hot. And now I'm coming out here and it's like negative 15 degrees, 10 feet of snow on the sidelines. So that was kind of wild as well. Uh, but, you know, the, the game, the atmosphere, like I said, was awesome. My first experience there was great. Um, I loved it. I loved the fans. Uh, and just a great history of, of, of game day there. Craig Chambers joining us, former Washington and University of Montana wide receiver. The Grizzlies play at Washington Saturday, 6 p.m. at Husky Stadium. This interview segment is proudly presented by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway, your local real estate experts. And you're listening on 1029 ESPN Missoula, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. And Craig, I know that your uh, college career at Montana came to sort of a disappointing end when you had the shoulder injury that uh, sort of ended it for you before you got to play your last year in, in 2007. But that 2006 season, just from a on-the-field perspective what are some of your best memories because that was a team that was very very talented you mentioned all the nfl guys on that squad and a team that came up just short losing in the semifinals of the playoffs but i remember that playoff game vividly against umass one of the coldest games i ever went to uh, but definitely one of the most competitive games and and uh, one of the best seasons i've seen from montana so what do you remember just about that season that you played for the grizzlies yeah, you know, it's interesting coming from the University of Washington. We weren't very good. And I remember being in Montana, and we just knew uh, in our heart that we were the best team in the country. Um, unfortunately, we fell short of, you know, uh, uh, seeing that through when we lost to UMass in a tight game there um, at home. Uh, but we, we knew we were the best team in the country. I think we were ranked second or first uh, there with Appalachian State. Um, and we, we honestly thought we should have beat UMass, and it's unfortunate we were able to do that. Uh, but I remember a lot of disappointment in that as well because, you know, we felt like we, you know, let ourselves down, the fans down, in Missoula down, the state of Montana down uh, because we just knew what we were supposed to achieve. And there was just never a doubt in our mind that that wasn't going to happen. Um, so that was special to be a part of that. You know, a lot of people don't get to be a part of such greatness. You know, when you just know you're destined to be the best. Uh, that, that that and it's not it's not necessarily a cockiness, but a confidence that that instills in you as a player uh, makes you feel really good. And I really think that helps with team camaraderie as well. You know, when you play on bad teams, sometimes you get that infighting, um, and you know, you know, questioning other people or why do you suck or why aren't you doing your job. When you play on a team like this, it's more accountability, like almost like a, a Bill Belichick, like do your job, I'll do my job, and you just trust your teammates. Uh, so that's special. You know, you don't get that in a lot of places, whether it's in your professional career, college career, even in your workforce. Uh, so I, I just remember having that like come out of the team we'd hang out on the weekends and it just we just knew that we all had our you know the best interest of each other because we had a, the same goal in mind of being the best um, but it was disappointing in the way it did against UMass uh, there at Washington Grizzly uh, but you know I'll never forget that memory with uh, with my guys in uh, uh, 2006 there. Craig Chambers joining us here Nuanez now great memories he's sharing with his time from both Montana and Washington and Craig, let's talk about this upcoming matchup now. First of all, uh, how closely do you still follow the Grizz? Because I know it's you're not that far away from Missoula, and I know you still keep up with some guys you played with. So, uh, have you been following uh, the Grizz, especially since Coach Alk returned? Yeah, you know, I've been following. Yeah, I've been following a little bit. I think you know, with the pandemic and the season last year, it's kind of tough because football was kind of an afterthought for college, at least. 
you know, Montana uh, had, a, had a rough time with the pandemic and, and, and you know, the games. Uh, same with UW. UW had a lot of games canceled. So, you know, last year there wasn't a lot going on to follow. Um, but in terms of keeping up historically, yeah, I mean, I've been able to check in and been to a couple games. And uh, it's, it, especially with, you know, the Adrian and Internet, it's really easy to follow. Um, and then you, you, the fact they have ESPN out there now since 2017 updates on the app, like that's that's great with stories. Um, so it, it, I've, I've definitely stayed a Grizz fan. You know, people, <laughs> it's funny because once the schedule's announced, I had a bunch of people reaching out. You going to the game, dude? You Montana's coming, Dub? So people know I still love the Grizz. Um, I still love UW as well. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm excited to see this game. You know, anytime you have an opportunity to see a young, young, young quarterback and a true freshman running back for the Grizz come into such an atmosphere like UW, it's going to be a great experience for those two youngsters. Uh, they have a tough matchup against another number 20 Washington that's returning all five lots of offensive linemen and a returning quarterback with running backs. I mean, that's, that's tough. Uh, so, but I think it's be a great matchup regardless. And we haven't had football in a long time the way we're used to having it. So I think everybody's really excited right now. Is there a key matchup for the Grizz, or I guess what's the biggest difference, what's the biggest gap when you talk about the big sky of the Pac-10, Pac-12? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when you're looking at it, you, when I, I kind of already mentioned this earlier, when it comes down to it, Montana has a lot of transfers, uh, so they get guys from top-tier programs already. Um, so you're, you're, you're not going to have as big of a gap when it comes to that talent as you would think because you're going to have great athletes up and down the board. And I think a lot of times Montana, the state, gets overlooked in terms of producing football players because they're smaller. But you're getting some – you're getting you're almost getting your, 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 the cream of the crop when it comes to Montana kids in terms of you know coming to the University of Montana or even Montana State. So I think that that gap in terms of talent is a lot closer than people think. Um, but I think the biggest thing that you're out there saying – is you dubs looking at Montana coming in as like the little guys, you know, even though that's not that, that perception's there and it may not be true, it's still there. Um, and you also have to understand you dubs coming in ranked number 20 in the whole country in terms of football up and down. Uh, so there, that's going to be a gap as well. You know, the last time they met, it was like a six to seven defeat. Some of those guys are still there on the team. So they got to put that behind them and realize this is a clean slate. Um, so I'd say that that's probably the biggest gap right now is, is maybe that ranking system that goes on. Montana is in a complete rebuild pretty much. And they've had some injuries in the running back position so that's kind of tough as I said with the true freshman running back um, so I think that that's where you're going to notice the most is just that sheer ranking system you know UW's ranked 20th for a reason I mean you're playing against some brand new players uh, when it comes to Montana um, so you, you're going to probably see a few more mistakes on Montana's side and uh, probably a little more refinedness um, when it comes to UW. Last question for you then, Craig. Craig Chambers, former Grizz and Washington Husky wide receiver joining us here on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio I know that you're a Western Washington guy. You still live out there, and that's your home. That's where you're from. But you also got a lot of skin in the game when it comes to the Grizz. So who's Craig Chambers rooting for on Saturday? You know, what's funny is if you were to see me at the game, I'm not trying to get any beer poured me like that. So I, you can use that <laughs> my UW sweatshirt on. But I always keep a Montana T-shirt underneath. So, you know, I am honestly split down the middle. You know, I got I got two dogs in the game. Unfortunately, they have to fight each other this weekend. Um, if I had to pick who's winning, I'm probably going to say UW's going to going to pull out the victory. Um, you know, I think they both have some opportunities to do some great stuff. I think University of Montana really has to take it one play at a, at a time and not, you know, not get on themselves if they get behind a little bit early. And UW just has to control that run game. You know, they're gonna, they both, this is the first game of the season, so they have a lot to focus on. But if I had to, if I had to make a decision, I'm, I'm going to say UW's going to pull this one out, but I'm going to be rooting for both people. I'd love to see, you know, Bobby Howe come in and pull out an upset as well, uh, but we'll see what happens. 
Well, Chambers, I tell you this, you're hired. You're a, you're a natural when it comes to sports analysis. Well, thanks so much for taking so much time, buddy. It's good to hear from me. I'm glad you're doing well, and uh, best of luck with everything. Hopefully, we cross paths again in the, in the future. Yeah, I appreciate having me on. Looking forward to the game, and uh, keep up the good work over the ESPN. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. strangeness about coaching against Coach Bull, but he's been a head coach for a really long time and had a lot of success as a head coach. What sort of things have you taken from him or learned from him as now you embark on your first season as a head coach? Well, I, you know, I guess certainly relative to this this matchup, making it about the guys, you know, not getting caught up. I think you know, he's done a great job of, of that over the years, um, you know, making it about just that, getting our players ready to go and, and um certainly not becoming the, the focal point of, of much of anything. So I, I know I learned that. I, I know, um, you know, a prepared team um, is the best one that has a chance to win, uh, best one that has a chance to be in a game in the fourth quarter. And I, I think, you know, um, get your team to believe. And, and, and I think those things, no matter what team that we had the past 18 seasons that I worked um, with him, I think, Every Saturday we showed up with a team that believed, and that's that's our charge this week is to get the Bobcats to believe we can go down there and um, not only be in the game but win the game. So um, that's – I threw a bunch of things at you there, culture, but I, that's my best answer. You mentioned Valade, the running back, and he's been very, very productive, especially these last couple of years. But what about his talents that make him such a good player? Well, I – I, I think the biggest thing I would point to, he has continued to get better and better. You know, he was a guy that in 18 flashed a little bit, but was, was still undersized. I would say speed-wise was just okay, but he's gotten um, considerably better each year. And he's gotten, I know right now, from a size perspective, um, it looks he looks to be different than he was even last fall. Um you know, so he's become a more complete back in every which way. His ability to catch the football um, has always made him a threat out of the backfield. So, you know, uh, just a kid that, you know, now that's a man that has is, is, is never been satisfied with even a shred of success. He's always pushing the limits and tough as nails. And, um, you know, he was a guy that I know the last couple of years in particular, you could count on every Saturday showing up and, you know, giving you everything he had. When you look at Wyoming's defense, I know that it's sort of a similar scheme to what you guys are now running at Montana State. So uh, is, does that help you when you're preparing for, for it since you guys have sort of been going against yourselves here the last month or so? 
You know, I think the familiarity with, with the four down look um, and a lot of the same alignments helps us, you know, and, and but we know they're going to be sound and they're, they're going to keep the ball in, in front of them. Uh, they're not going to make too many mistakes. Um, so it comes down to really executing and playing hard. And that, that sounds simple, but it's, it's really hard. I, I think teams like, you know, like this, that we maybe feel like we know some things about our, in some ways you feel like they're maybe easy to prepare for, but really hard to, to beat the, the teams that are all over the place schematically and, and um, are sometimes hard to prepare for, but then easy to win or easy to beat. So I, I think, you know, Wyoming would fall in that category. I, you know, maybe there's some sense of familiarity that might seem easy, but I've uh, been preaching to the guys that, uh, you know, it's going to be hard for them to, to be in the wrong place. Um, so we have to, you know, we have to outplay them. We have to out-execute. Um, that's, that's going to really be what it comes down to. Seems like with Sean Chambers, the quarterback is healthy. That gives Wyoming a pretty darn good shot to, to win. So I know you had a hand in, in helping recruit and develop him, at least early in his career. So uh, what sort of things do you think he brings to the table and, and what makes him uh, a dangerous weapon for Wyoming's offense? Well, he's a tremendous runner, and I think um, that's where it kind of started. He's a very athletic. He's a tremendous leader, was able to be a leader um, unlike any true freshman, I guess, I've ever been around. And he, he's a developing passer. Um, you know, I, I think the, the gains that he had made between 19 and 20 were significant. It just so happened that he threw one pass in 20. Um, you know, so I, I'm certain that he's picked up where he left off as far as his preparation, you know, relative to 2020 and, and you know, becoming more and more uh, complete where it doesn't have to be all about his ability to run the football. So, um, you know, Sean is a... Tremendous talent, tremendous leader, um, you know, and it has a fair amount of experience, even though each one of these last three seasons have been cut short. Chad Bumma's the guy that stands out defensively, um, but it seems like where he's from in Colorado there, it seems like there's a lot of good linebackers in that area. So I guess two-part question, what do you think makes Mama really good for Wyoming, but also why do you think it is that it's sort of region, regionally it seems like Wyoming can get guys like that quite often because it seems like there's a lot of good ones, especially at that position, uh, just in the general area? Well, Chad, uh, Chad can really run. I think that's the thing that, that to me, separates him. Um Chad's dad played for the for the Pokes, um, and he's from Wyoming. They, they Chad grew up in Denver, um, you know. So he had uh, the cowboy blood in him uh, from a young age, but was a guy I think that needed to be developed still, you know. So I, I think uh, going back to recruiting, you know, he was a little bit um, on the light side, but I, I think both his um, his knowledge of of the R program and and his, his, you know, developmental potential, I think, was the attractive nature. And I, I think that's probably, you know, you re- referenced the area. Um, you know, Logan Wilson, not too much different out of, out of Casper, who was a developing guy. He played receiver and corner, and, and you know, Logan preceded um, Chad at that, that Mike position. So, you know, I think there's just, you know, uh, I think that's part of uh, the success of Wyoming. Um and the success of Coach Bowl as a, as a head coach, just being able to identify guys that have the, the capacity and the desire to develop into something that, um, you know, can become this guy like Chad, who is a bona fide pro prospect here going into 21, and it's, it's well-deserved. Chad's a great, um, great person beyond his ability on the football field, and, and you know, I'm sure his leadership um, role has continued to grow. So, 
you know, he's a, he's definitely a guy that's, that's high on that list that we'll have to keep tabs on for sure. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.